sinners, choosers, lovers, dreamers, hypocrites, cynical bastards, and earnest, beautiful beams of light. Welcome to Choose Your Own Religion. My name is Joe. This is the show where every week me and a guest talk about whatever spiritual stuff we had as a kid, whatever spiritual shit we got going on now, if we have any, and we make up a religion if we don't have one. Some weeks are more biographical in nature, some weeks are more theological in nature, and I like both equally, but I do love getting into the theological stuff, as I did with my guest this week, Colton Simmons, who was a grad of Fuller Theological Seminary, so he was all ready to dive into some stuff with me, which uh, I love. He runs a great podcast with Dan Prevett, who's also been on this show. It's called The Back Pew. It comes from almost kind of like a Christian outsider's perspective, and I don't want to speak for them or whatever their faith is. If you do like this podcast and you like uh, the part of this podcast where you hear about my own faith journey, uh, then you'll definitely like and love their podcast. So check out The Back Pew. And if you like this podcast, you can check me out on chooseyourownreligion.com. Find the Facebook page, like that, subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play. I love you. Please welcome Colton Simmons. Allow the soothing music and uplifting affirmations to center your heart and mind in an awareness of God's love. Wake up, my dear sinners. Wake up from your deep rest. Won't you say your prayers? Know that you are blessed. I love you, oh, but Jesus loves you the best. And I hope that you choose your own religion. Oh, uh, what's up, man? No, not much. Yeah. I'm glad we're doing this on a Sunday, too. I know. I feel I, extra spiritual for this podcast. No, exactly. I always do them on Sundays, I think partially for that reason. But, really? I mean, like... I mean, part of it's like, I don't know, I feel cheesy about doing it like that and like having like spiritual books on each side of this and everything. Oh, I didn't and even like, notice. Yeah, man, everything's... Oh, this is your boy, Alan Watts. This is who you're talking about on That's our podcast. That's right. Al- Alan Watts is represented. Goodness. Uh, okay. Harris is represented. Um, you know, I try. I think the Bible's there. What is this? Truth and comedy. I got to borrow this thing. Oh, yeah. That was read uh, wrote, written by uh, one, of the, one of the founding fathers of modern day improv. Really? All right. Well, his, oh, Del Close, his wife, yeah. But he was like basically that's all his principles. Right. In it. Okay, I recognize his name. I think he was on the Chris Farley documentary, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah, because he was um, he was definitely one of the found. He was the founder of I O uh, Improv Olympic, which is the uh-huh. thing in Chicago, which was like the first long form improv, which was all about creating scenes instead of just doing like games. Right. Like, he was on style. Um. So yeah, I love I, it. Yeah, I try to have like, <laughs> I I th- I think. There's a lot of because that book is about obviously truth and comedy and it's about like don't try <laughs> curveball right yeah it's not it's about like not trying to be funny and about how being honest really is uh, way funnier right than like making puns and shit right right trying to set yourself up for things right yeah right no I love it that was my master's thesis was on humor and religion was really? that that crossroads yeah yeah and why that's probably like the thing that's most lacking in religion oh is that is a sense of humor yeah that was your conclusion. That was one of them, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was one of them. I was like, I'm not trying to turn Christians into comics. That would be the worst thing right. ever and, and just impossible. Right. But it was just like, we just need to expand the sense of humor. Totally, yeah. Just It's like, as we were talking about on uh, on the Back Pew mm-hmm. podcast, uh, it's that whole uh, over-reverence that can sometimes right. infect religion yeah. uh, really bad. 
it's a it's like a misappropriated sense of uh feeling dignified or i need to feel like this is a sacred space right so i can't can't laugh can't make any jokes yeah can't point out anything that's weird yeah exactly and we have that there's that word uptight that we usually Mm. ascribe to that and that's a i think it's a great uh, like pretty f- good physical visual. Like it's just very rigid. Right. It's very like this is how the, the Christian is. Yeah. The Christian thing is like, oh, he's very self righteous. You know, like that's <laughs> right. a self righteous person. You know, that can't. Uh-huh. It's, it's just you know, I can't handle this irreverence yeah. in the holy land. You yeah. know. So, yeah. Exactly. God forbid they like make a joke at their expense too. Right. You know. And it's a complete misreading of everything of scripture and we're going like right into it i didn't right. know if you want to <laughs> yeah man let's go right in yeah, I guess that's how my brain works yeah did like, you have a comedy background at all or you, no i don't the other way around yeah, yeah i um i was i grew up on comedy comedy was like my release growing up because i had just not the best home life mm-hmm. so for me it was um it's honestly it started out my dad would listen to like jeff foxworthy tapes in the oh, car nice. yeah because yeah, he yeah. didn't know like how to talk to kids my dad like didn't have a dad so when he had kids he's like well just i'm gonna just play this tape of bill engvall and sure, jeff foxworthy yeah. and you know <laughs> yeah. and that to me was like the greatest shit as a kid you know uh-huh. um and also as i found like being able to make people laugh eased so much tension in my house oh, like my dad sure. was like the typical cliche angry alcoholic dude oh yeah so humor was a thing that would like de-stress everybody you know and so for me i was like grew up rushing home to watch like uh what was it premium blend oh yeah comedy central presents uh-huh um uh, in living color, uh, mm-hmm. Matt TV, like any anything I could get my hands on. Yeah, I remember Comedy Central presents. I remember, I think that was like the prototypical because I didn't think I wanted to be a comedian for until I was probably like twenty three or so. Okay, but I remember when I was like eleven or twelve, I was on this uh, this trip. I was at Outer Banks, North Carolina, with my uh, my good buddy Walker, and we were staying. <laughs> we got to stay like his Your family. southernness is coming out. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Walker is, the, is gr- such a southern name. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and he's actually out here in LA too now. Nice. Uh, anyway, so we were in. Uh, I was going with along with his family, but we had we got to have our own hotel room. And I remember watching a ton of Comedy Central presents, which we finally oh, had yeah. the license to do because there's no parent right censoring mm-hmm. us. And uh, and that was even like you know it's Comedy Central in the nineties. It couldn't get yeah. More than, they like, start PG-13. doing right, and they yeah. do the thing like Comedy Central after dark. Right. Where then then you could watch the the unedited version. Right, exactly. But I remember like I remember those first times and being like, "Oh shit, this yeah. is what comedy can be." This is amazing. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to that idea of truth in comedy. I mm-hmm. think I think it's what really originally tickled me, and that's what really uh, drove me to get into it heavily was the uh, the idea that you can uh, I don't know tr- you can take painful truth and mm-hmm. transmit it i mean it's sort of cliche i guess at this point I right i feel like we've heard that a lot but but even even beyond like i mean that was one of the things i touched on in my thesis was the transformation of pain mm. um to beauty which is something that we need in religion yeah but the the even the little things for me as a sheltered white kid from the suburbs i was able to learn things i shouldn't know like from you, <laughs> right. you watch black comedians you watch hispanic comedians you watch asian you watch female comedians and you're like i'm learning about sex i'm learning about racism i'm learning about periods like every childbirth like you name it right comedians will touch on those like you know yeah icky subjects in society or the stuff that just like everybody can relate to and especially watching comics from another race uh-huh you know you're just like holy shit oh this is what it oh okay oh you know like know, uh, this is right? what they think is funny or this is what they deal with in society or yeah i wonder how many racists uh chris rock converted actually <laughs> i feel like a, not a small amount like i because i feel like you know when he was starting to come up big he right. was so 
uh, so angry, so much like righteous anger that can be all, yeah. somehow that can also be really funny to us when it's like well placed anger that's like surprising it like the way he structures it is surprising enough right. or musical enough. I, I think I remember like as a white person, as a, well, a fucking white kid, <laughs> yeah. but I mean you're like oh shit, like he's like he's got a point here. Like, yeah, x amount of subjects. Oh man, you know? Chris Rock. I actually got to, I think, after I got Dave, Dave Chappelle was the first black comedian that I really yeah. heard as a kid. And also, Chappelle show was my whole high school. Oh, me too. But yeah. before that, it was just like his his half hour stuff or, yeah. or finding him his snippets here and there. Right, right. And his, I mean, he's the first person I remember talking about cops beating up black people. Yeah. You know, and I just was like, is this a thing? Like, because I had heard about like Rodney King. I grew up in California. Right. Uh, my dad wanted to be a cop. All that. My dad had like all cop friends because he uh, loves that shit. He uh-huh. loves firefighters, policemen. He's uh-huh. an investigator now. So mm. uh, I was always surrounded by these like really scary authority figures in law enforcement. Yeah. So yeah. when and they were all white. And so <laughs> when Chappelle's talking uh-huh. about it, I was like, oh my god, I guess that makes sense. Like wow, I just put yeah. pieces together for me. You know, I never thought of that. I think that's probably the first time I was really exposed to it too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so you grew up. Uh, now your dad, you had some problems at home. I mean, yeah. so were you religious then growing up? Yeah, super. I mean, um, even though he was, you know, a drunk, he was still really religious. Uh-huh. Um, he was, uh, both my parents were, my mom was a super sweetheart. I still love my mom. She's great. She would sing in choirs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And my dad, on the other hand, would like always get up early, read his Bible, memorize scripture, uh-huh. use scripture to justify what he was doing. Oh, God, yeah. Which, so I grew up like hating the shit out of his religion, <laughs> sure. but then being really comforted by my mom and her religion. She was all about like forgiveness and don't be controlled by your temper. And Yeah. Uh, now, did they, did they like ascribe to the same denomination or anything? Yeah, or? went to the same church. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, my dad grew up more Catholic because he was Portuguese. And uh-huh. um, so it's just kind of more like Hispanic, Latino culture is basically what Portuguese culture sure, can yeah. be like. Uh-huh. Uh, my mom was like, her side of family was like German immigrants. Um, but they kind of messed around with all sorts of different Christian blends. But basically yeah. non-denominational is what I grew up with. Like we just went to a non-denominational church it was like the three songs the sermon the closing song you leave yeah that was the recipe huh (laughs) and your dad was just uh just use that that kind of openness to to excuse my dad wouldn't go to church oh he made us go to church but he would like almost never go wow because he was just like i don't need to go he didn't like to sing Mm. he's very awkward in public (laughs) he doesn't like people (laughs) it's a very dude it's just like a very weird form of christianity yeah so i mean i guess it's like uh, that's the scary thing about the Bible is that it can be uh, customized to anybody. And can, oh, you can yeah. cherry anybody can fucking cherry pick that. Yeah, thing. you can do whatever you want with scripture. Yeah. It, and my dad, uh, basically, he would just read like verses out of the New Testament that were all like prescriptive. Uh-huh. Do this, be this. You're bad if you do that. Lots of Paul. <laughs> love Paul. Love yeah. him some Paul, and love him some like yeah. Proverbs, like wisdom literature. Uh-huh. But didn't read Old Testament stuff. Like he's not. He's not diving into the history of the context or mulling over right. current issues. It's it's right. basically one of the. I think his whole generation mostly brought the values they already had into what the Bible said, and mm. then you're just kind of like scanning the Bible to say, "Oh, here it is. Here's the thing I want to say about greed, or here's why I don't have to go to church today, or right. here's why my wife should submit and stop nagging me." Right. Found yeah. it, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> it's yeah, it's such a <laughs> yeah, it's such a great tool for uh, quote unquote great tool for any kind of cognitive dissonance on any kind of bullshit that we have. Oh yeah. Um, but you, so you didn't 
you, you said you kind of had the split personality then of like yeah. being into mom's religion, right? But not his. So that that kept you from going completely against it. Then. I think that kept me open to it. Yeah, I went. I I hardcore was like done with religion when I was uh, middle school, high school, uh-huh. especially the first two years. Like one of my best friends was, um, he's like that typical rich kid that had like no parameters on his life mm-hmm. and just did whatever the fuck he wanted to. Sure. So yeah. he got me into like drugs and he got me into like crazy philosophy and uh-huh. and kind of anarchism like or anarchy and mm-hmm. those kind of streams of thought man i wish i had a rich kid friend i'm kind of jealous he, he right lived now. in like a nice ass development uh-huh. we did whatever we'd always go over to his house smoke weed and take pills That's and do so whatever funny. like it was no limits on anything and you want to talk about like different uh ter- like racist type things i mean that's mm. like that that whole white uh rich drug so, culture oh, yeah. it's so hit at least it was so hidden back mm-hmm. then uh i, I just remember and you, it was always associated with like poor minority communities. Right. It's like, oh, they're the drug users. But then, because that's the, <laughs> just because that's the the crime statistics, yeah. quote unquote, that's who ends up getting arrested. It's just different kinds of drugs. Because we had like pills. We were popping right. like Vicodin and Valium and Ritalin and oh, Oxycontin man. and all that stuff. And that's in high school for you. Yeah, it was freshman, sophomore year. Yeah. Wow. So a little, little bit in middle school, but not much like towards the end. Man. So are you, you like going to school like fucked up and everything? <laughs> um, somewhat i was still like such a perfectionist mm. that i was like i don't want to fuck up until after i'm done with school yeah, so i still was getting like straight a's give me that adderall right <laughs> i <laughs> yeah. loved it man it was a focus oh, yeah, it was yeah. great but yeah i mean i i, I don't know I, I never could shake that moral uh voice in my head uh-huh it was it's a weird dichotomy Interesting. Man. growing up religious it just does that to you where you're almost rebelling against yourself. Yeah. Because you, I, I can never shake that voice in my head that is so strong. It's like, this is right and this is wrong. Now, this is you, good and this is bad. Do you think that voice is God or the Holy Spirit? Do you have any any sense of that? Um, That's a really good question. I... I mean, I, I, framing it in that way almost makes it sound sillier than I than I'm intending it to sound. <laughs> no, like, it's... You I think mean, the voices in your head are no, God? <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to make yeah, it sound I mean, like. Yeah, I... I, I I don't know. It's it, what the way you said it is actually a very legitimate question within Christian circles. They'd say like mm. your consciousness is your Holy Spirit. The the moral force in your life is the Holy Spirit convicting you. You know. Yeah. I mean, I one thing I talked about this again on your. I'm not going to rehash everything we talked about on your podcast. It's okay, today. you should go listen to it, guys. <laughs> you you all should. It's the back pew, especially if you skew more Christian than I do, and uh, you'll really enjoy uh, Dan Pervet. And uh, yeah. my guest here today, Colin Simmons. I just this is the most. Usually, I don't ever reference it like in such a formal way. This is very, <laughs> yeah, that's very unusual for this. But um, anyway, yeah, I remember talking about on that there too. Um, Dean Smith was a coach of uh, my school, my college uh, basketball team. He was mm. at the University of North Carolina Tar Heels, legendary coach. And one of the things he talks about uh, in his uh, his memoir is about when he was around my age. Really, he was he decided that like. He was kind of not that religious up until that point, but then uh, he he kind of realized the small voice inside him was more or less the Holy Spirit, mm. like that small tiny voice. Whether you want to call it the moral voice or that that inkling of right. like, what should I? If you're lean, if you have, feel like you have like a fifty fifty, like what should I do? Right. And he de- he decided at that point, I'm going to surrender all of my choices to the Holy Spirit, to that mm. small voice. And I'll tell you, as somebody who doesn't really. I don't formally believe in that stuff or in the Christian dichotomy of things. I don't think I, I did that even today, right? I, even earlier today, I was like a judgment call of like whether I should go to this show or not. I was like, ah, it's so far away. It's out in Hollywood. I oh, but I said I would go. There. You I know, said, I, yeah. well, I didn't even tell anybody right. I would go, but I told myself I would go. And I'm like, you know what? 
I'm like, just listen. I'm like, what's what is, what was my gut telling me? I'm gonna right. regret it if I don't go, and I won't regret it if I go. So let me just go. And I went, and I'm so glad I did. That's the thing that I. Th- that's where I'm more interested in finding a common ground with people who don't believe in a god or that or use that Christian language. Is you just said I listen to my gut. Yeah. You go. Some people be like, it's the Holy Spirit. That's your consciousness. That's your frontal lobe. Or yeah. Like whatever. I I had a professor in college was like it's it's basically like people who know music and you can tell when a note is sharp or flat. Mm-hmm. So you have to listen. You have to develop an ear for that. Right. And the more you actually act on it, the more you'll be able to tell who's the voice coming from. Yeah. If you, if you go to the show and it's out of guilt or shame. Right. For some twist, it's not going to be a good night. You right. know what I mean? But if you go because it's the right thing to do and you love your friend who you're going to support because it's their show, right. then you start developing this moral compass or this inner truth or whatever. For Christians, it's we get weird inklings and we'll, we'll say things like, I just saw this guy in the corner and I felt like I needed to offer him a ride. Uh-huh. And I asked him if he wanted to ride and he's like, get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, no, I guess I don't hear God. You know? <laughs> yeah. And that's a legitimate like mm-hmm. Christian experience that happens over and over again. And they're like, well, God, I thought I was listening to you. And that guy just shut me down or it went really poorly. Mm-hmm. So it's a constant, I think, life practice of you just got to act. Yeah. And I think um, I think where we get fucked up because I mean, I get in those situations, too. I don't necessarily blame God for it. But I I think <laughs> the big problem in all that is always expectations. What am I right. expecting to get from how am I expecting them to react? And when you have that sort of uh, expectation uh, you're in a, in a in a small way you're kind of becoming entitled you're feel mm. you're creating this sense of like well i'm gonna do this nice thing and so he better respond to my gift the right. way because i'm so loving but it's not really love i mean and this is something i've kind of lifted from don miguel ruiz and his book mastery of love it's just the right. idea that there should be no expect like love doesn't have expectations and god i think uh if you know, our Christian God exists. I think his love would have no expectations on it. It's just a pure, that's what unconditional love means. Right. It's a love without conditions, without like, doesn't care how you react to it. So as soon as you start, like, as soon as you are upset by however it's received, then it's no longer unconditional love. Right. And I mean, I guess it's not really right or wrong, but it's something to like point out. (laughs) There's something aware of. Yeah. There's something interesting about the way we respond to God's call as Christians because right. you read the Old Testament in the story of Jonah which is like the whale and he gets swallowed and that's the part people focus on the interesting part is God goes tells him to go tell this city he's going to destroy him right. and he doesn't want to go right. because he knows God's going to forgive him so he's like ah oh, fuck that <laughs> like I hate those people <laughs> yeah, those are the yeah. worst people like it's like someone having to come to LA who is like uh-huh. from the south or maybe and they're like I hate those LA people with uh-huh. their liberal politics like I don't want to go tell them something that might help them Mm. So then he ends up like trying to run away and he ends up doing it and it's a, it unfolds exactly as he thought it would. Yeah. Or God forgives him and he's pissed. Uh-huh. So I I I don't that to me was always something that I had to consider with my own calling, I guess you'd say or like, yeah. if I feel like God's calling me to this, I probably won't enjoy some of it uh-huh. or a lot of it. Have you Whereas, had something like that before? I mean, I had to go to seminary. <laughs> <laughs> that was something I I literally was like, I don't want to do this. Mm. I, I never want to go there. The people that go to seminary, they'd be just like, they cookie cutter preachers. They they have this formulaic way of talking and thinking and no yeah. thanks, no thanks. Then you'd be part of one of them. Yeah and, yeah, and then I felt like anytime I had a religious point of view or a spiritual thought, people were like, well, that's because you went to seminary. Of uh, course you think that. Right. Like, I'd just be dismissed. I'm like, if I just go act or I go write, and then I have these beliefs, they'll be like, really interesting. So you're a screenwriter, <laughs> you're an actor, and you still believe these things. And you'd be like, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It must be more true, you know? Because mm. I don't have like some confirmation bias and I'm trying to... Right. Now, did you find that in seminary? Did you find there were a lot of cookie cutter oh, type yeah. people? <laughs> yeah. I was expecting you to be like, no, <laughs> no man, they're all free spirits. No, man, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> there, was, there was things about seminary that I really enjoyed. I went to Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena it, uh-huh. and it was great. It was, it was literally... We were talking about this yesterday. I, I interviewed some old seminary friends on my show, and I, I feel like it was fifty-one forty-nine good. Mm. Um, so it was what I needed. To be fair, like what forty-nine of that was because it's fucking beautiful in Pasadena, right? <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it was yeah, it was. But but as far as the classes went, and right, right, who I had to interact with, and the and the stuff that I had to learn that felt so pointless. Mm-hmm. I mean, more just a, barely more than half of it was good, so it made it worth it. And that was, to me, that what confirmed why God called me there. That's more of what life feels like to me. You hear these cliche Christian stories where uh-huh. it just works out perfectly. I think most of the time, it's just 51% was good. Like you Interesting. Just, just, just enough worth it. Yeah, or because we are constantly improvising our lives, I mm. mean, more or less, I think... Uh, even though we think of improvising as in a specific like theatrical context, right. I think literally what all of us are always doing is some level of improvising of like, oh, yeah. just, we're just all kind of making oh, it yeah. up as we go all just whatever, uh, life is presenting to us at this present exact moment. We're just kind of rolling with it and trying to recreate it. And so even in the process of seminary, you, know, you were, you went in with a certain expectations because it's impossible to not go in with any expectations. Right. It's, it's, it's so hard. And then things weren't exactly as you were, so you had to constantly react to mm-hmm. that, I'm sure, in right. some ways. And one thing my dad would talk about, I feel like my dad had a lot of seminary stories about like really cool professors. Did you have some cool professors? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Like, were the professors, would you even say like the professors were uh, arguably more liberal than like the people they were teaching? Yeah, and I honestly wondered how some of them got hired. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm not quite sure if you believe in God. Interesting. Um, there's a guy yeah. named Barry Taylor that y'all should look into. Uh-huh. He was a um, he was basically the head sound engineer for ACDC. Um, oh, really cool oh, yeah. British guy. I've, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. He's, am- he's amazing. And so he was on tour with ACDC, slept with a chick that was in a Christian cult, uh-huh. And before they had sex, she's like, well, I just want to stop and pray for you real fast. Praise <laughs> this real Jesus-y prayer over him. Uh-huh. Mind you, staunchly atheist British guy in uh-huh. the 70s. He's probably on drugs at the time. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, she prays. They, they have sex in the morning. He stumbles out to leave, and there's like, like a prayer meeting in the house. So as much as it weirds him out, yeah. he makes him curious. Sure, so yeah. So in, in the span of his being on tour with ACDC, he reads all these philosophy books, theology books, Got a lot of time in your hands. On yeah, the bus. On, uh, yeah, on a bus back then too. Well, your two jobs are to, uh, yeah, load heavy gear and do drugs. That's really <laughs> exactly. Your two, yeah, your and two in the tasks. midst of that, he finds his faith. And then now he's got his doctorate and he's teaching at Fuller. So it's still tons of weird questions and thoughts. And he also teaches at the Art Center. Uh huh. Brilliant. Just a very synthetic mind. He's able to hold all of these different competing truths in one place. Yeah. Uh, and those are the people I was attracted to. That's why seminary was worth it because. I don't know how I would have ever ever interacted with Barry. Sure, yeah. And so, and when did you graduate? Uh, last fall. Just last fall. Yeah, fresh out. So, what's uh, I mean, what are you up to now, or what do you have a, a sense of a calling now, as as far as like uh, a religious or a spiritual sort of path or vocation mm, man, or anything, uh, or are you kind of like yeah. in, in limbo with that right now? I'm kind of in limbo. I I picked up a job with the guy who used to be the pastor at the church I went to for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I produce live events for him. I produce his podcast. Mm-hmm. I help manage his nonprofit, which is called Adopt Together. Uh-huh. Really cool stuff. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, 
not at all like what I felt called to do, just kind of a cool job to do out of seminary to sure, get a lot of yeah. life experience. Uh-huh. Um, I would love to do something with the arts and spirituality. Yeah. Like what Pete Holmes is doing. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah, I yeah. love that kind of stuff. I think people are getting more and more open to that. Yeah. Where we want to have the conversation. Pete's not trying to convert anybody. Right. Quite, quite frankly, I wouldn't know what he'd convert them to. <laughs> right. <laughs> Christ consciousness or some weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're having the conversation. I think we're we're seeing what happens when you have a polarized society. Mm-hmm. Trump, Hillary. And we're like, that's garbage. We have Christianity and atheism. That's garbage. Like, yep. there's got to be a third way. There's mm-hmm. got to be a third option to this. Yeah. And we don't get there without the conversation. So if I can facilitate conversations and relationships with my life using humor and spirituality yeah that's all i need right on man yeah, yeah i mean I, I love Pete holmes he's definitely uh influenced me earlier in my career i had to stop listening to him because i would like you know you just end up sounding too much like yeah, people like, like, too, too ha- much Pete. yeah i mean you have to like you almost have to like uh it's like leaving the village in a way. Like you right. just have to leave your sources and your inspirations a yeah, little bit he, behind. He talks about that too, where he's like, I can't listen to, to um, Brian Regan or yeah. any of these. Because I'm like, I'm doing their voice. Yep. I can't do all their bits. Yep. It's like, I like them too much. Exactly. See, that point I just lifted. Lifted it right from Pete. <laughs> so I influential. Yeah. You don't need to listen to this podcast, guys. Just turn on Pete Holmes. You'll <laughs> <laughs> just hear more famous people having the same conversations that we're having. Yeah, more or less. I mean, I do sometimes worry about like, well, I, I guess I used to worry about it more about like just being repetitive or just saying shit that other people have thought of or not having a quote unquote original thought. But then um, mm. I think I think this is a legit Mark Twain quote <laughs> that he said, like the the, on, the the only person with who uh, or Adam is the only person who was like the first person to ever say something. He had a way more. Eloquent <laughs> way. I, I just <laughs> Sounds totally like Mark Twain. fucking butchered that. <laughs> but That's basically right. he, every. I think there is a, uh, I think it's important for us. And the reason we even, I think religion has a lot of value is uh, we humans are dumb and we're, we're, well, and we're impulsive and it's so, and we get, we get habitual and, and to, and the way our brains are wired to, uh, and the way our egos function, uh, we need constant reminders of the same messages. And it's, you know, and sometimes we just need to hear it in a slightly different way. Sometimes I need to hear the same message, you know, 20, a hundred, a thousand different ways before it finally sinks right. in for me. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, and here's a Mark Twain quote that I do remember. Uh-huh. He talks about his, I think his famous quote about religion is it's not the stuff about religion that I don't understand that scares me. It's the stuff I understand about it. That scares me. Interesting. And what did he mean by that? It's the stuff about Christianity. That's like plain doctrine. Oh yeah. To me, yeah. It's the stuff like Jesus died and was resurrected and took away all the sins. <laughs> I hear that. I can comprehend that, but that's the, what? Right. Or yeah. God created the the earth in seven days, you're telling me? Or six? Yeah. Well, this is something like, that what? we... <laughs> yeah, yeah. All that stuff, it's like... And this is something we, we kind of touched on briefly when we were emailing earlier. Mm. We don't have to go all the way into this, but uh, that's some... It's so interesting, a contrast between Christianity and, I think, Eastern religions is that... And this is something that I got from old, old Al Watts. Oh. <laughs> was uh, Hit it. Was just the <laughs> just the idea that, you know, with with christianity and a lot of uh abrahamic religions it's all about like you need to believe certain things about reality there's like an external structure to reality. Mm, like yeah. it's not just nature it's there's a there's certain things outside of nature whether it's a god a separate consciousness and there's certain truth there's certain events that happen there's certain history that you have to believe whereas eastern religions are like no it's, it's nature is you just it's just just go stare at a leaf right literally literally it's like just it's outside that's that's the whole there's nothing extra to believe and i think it's it's just an interesting 
uh, I don't know, a phenomenon of, yeah, it's, of Western I, religions. I think that started out as it was just one. And then for some reason we got obsessed with logic and reason. Yeah. Um, I think it's just because it was like a comfort, just a security blanket for us. So right. we're like, no, 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 no. I don't need to stare at the stars and, and wonder. Mm-hmm. I need to prove this. I need to create a series of systemic beliefs uh-huh. to back what I'm doing. Because, I mean, like rhetoric was huge back in the day. Right. I mean, that was okay, you bring your belief to the top of the mountain, I'll bring my belief to the top, and we'll square off, uh-huh. and we'll see who wins out. Yep. Debate team style. <laughs> and if right. you just sat there and were like, you know what, instead of debating, we're just going to do 15 minutes of breath and mantra, <laughs> <laughs> they'd be like, get the fuck out of here. What are you talking about? Right, you lost. Yeah, that's bananas. That's, what, okay. That's sure. loser talk. Yeah, seriously. You just didn't study. That's why you want to do that. Yeah, you little pussy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't have any scripture verses memorized, do you? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, have you ever had, have you had much of an Eastern kind of influence? I know you've, you've dabbled in some maybe uh, alternative yeah. stuff. Mysticism but. is kind of my jam these last couple of years, but I'm brand new to it. I'm, I'm a huge rookie uh-huh. uh, when it comes, to, I grew up with like the Western logic, uh, apologetics, how you defend your faith, yeah, all that stuff. I, I was hammered into me. So now I'm, I'm slowly in the process of releasing all that. Yeah. Yeah. Getting way more into Eastern religion um, Eastern Orthodoxy, mysticism, uh-huh. um, basically what we call like meditation and yoga. Right. You know what I mean? Um, that's, yeah, yeah. that's my jam these well, days. Well, that's funny. Even the way you phrase that, it's like, I'm, I'm still like a new editor. I'm still like, I'm, like, I'm not good at mysticism. <laughs> I'm not good yet. at it. I can't do it yet. <laughs> like that's I'm like a level three. Well, it's, you're right. That's yeah. like, that's like <laughs> assigning yourself the level. It's really the, that's really the, clearly I don't with, understand right. it yet. <laughs> right. It's yeah. like, well, I wasn't going to call you a level three, but it, yeah, you, yeah. you won't, you're nice. only a level three as soon as you call yourself tip, a level tip three. Tip my cards. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's that thing of i i i i'm always i always have the voice of like 800 other seminarians in my head so as soon as i go to say something <laughs> yeah. i think of the people way smarter than me that i went to mm. school with they're like that's not exactly what that is or you're what you're practicing isn't quite eastern orthodoxy it's actually a blend of the oh, and i'm just yeah. like get, <laughs> get oh out of my, my head God. yeah but that's always there so when i have like a public discussion or a podcast i'm like whoa that's my computer okay that um i think of like all the smart asses in my life that it would critique or right, yeah. one up me on what I'm doing. Oh man, I mean, yeah, I totally have I still constantly have uh all those yeah, voices of logic and reason. I don't know what you what you call them. Just like all these stri- it's so yeah. hard for me to just accept the present moment. For me to right. just sit with it, to me to just tune it out or or welcome it all in or whatever, yeah. just notice it, but meditation definitely helps. How long have you been meditating? Uh, uh I've been meditating for couple years yeah yeah what's your what's your style what's your jam i like to shut everything off i do everything on airplane mode uh-huh. i have a, usually have some type of ambient music or sound on okay and i love yeah, yeah. i love candles nice so i do like full like i'm almost a step away from getting a massage <laughs> that's, that's literally the vibe i like in my room it's just wow quiet stillness silence i have to i have to shut everything off or i'll be thinking about mm-hmm what I need to do as soon as that time's over. Yeah, you're amping it up even more than I do because I, I pretty much just yeah. I, well, I get I get I get quiet. I let everything <laughs> I turn everything off, but then I just kind of like sit. Right. And uh, well, and I've been inconsistent over the years, but uh, I've been starting to think of it as like I go between two main modes of like listening intensely to things that happen around me, like that motorcycle right. that just went by. Yeah. Or my computer just went off. <laughs> or or, uh, or like just like small little crinkles of my like couch or whatever. Right. Or. And then uh, the other, the classic, just like watching my breath, returning my, like noticing yeah. when I stray off of my thoughts and returning my breath. The um, thing that helps yeah. me a lot that I don't do nearly enough is picking a mantra, mm. like a breath prayer, essentially. Yeah, yeah, Short yeah. Short phrase. Uh-huh. Those to me, 
they say it's like distracting that part of the monkey part of your brain that's always got to fidget with something. Yeah. So I used to diminish this like, oh, this is dumb. You're just repeating things you don't understand. Mm. But it's literally because you, your brain is always processing. Yeah. So you need to give it like hand it a Rubik's cube or something. Yeah. So that yeah. you can go deeper into the more. Uh huh. I don't know foundational parts of your brain. I would try to pick it apart. I can't remember what the, the yeah. different lobes and everything do. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we don't need to know why things work. I, yeah. That's another thing that I think we're I, starting to figure it out, though. We are. Yeah. And I know somebody probably knows why. Dr. <laughs> Andrew Newberg are... wrote a book, How God Changes Your Brain. Ooh. It's fantastic. Okay. That's why I was like, I wish I could remember the lobes and all the pieces that he talks about. Dr. Newberg. Dr. Newberg. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I think uh, that's another like symptom of maybe, uh, I don't know if you want, I feel like we we throw things on West, like, it's a symptom of Western culture. Like, I feel like it's yeah. a good scapegoat, but maybe yeah. it is like yeah, maybe. Uh, wanting to, or feeling like I need to know why or else I'm not going to do it. Mm. Like something can be good for like religion really pretty much is the classical version of that. Yeah. We talked about how it is a good thing for so many people, but then lots of us, and this is how I originally sort of strayed off the path was uh, not like, I started studying the Bible, started realizing like, oh, there wasn't as logically, like it's not necessarily God's word. There was a lot of human intervention Mm -hmm. into a lot of politicizing, a lot of editing. And so I started uh, sort of like being like, I don't, I don't, I need to feel like it's not the the why started falling apart or like the reasoning behind it. And so I couldn't, I don't know if I didn't have, uh, I couldn't follow Christianity, even though if it made me happier because Mm. I didn't believe in the why anymore or i needed the reasoning to be sound yeah but sometimes i don't know why why does the why matter yeah if it works you know mm-hmm. do you yeah. ever struggle with that or think about that or yeah i mean you're kind of that that's like the core stuff behind mysticism is yeah you're trying there's a quote that's like um god refuses to be known or understood and will only be loved Mm. so it's kind of bypassing the why god why did you make the world this way why is there pain why is there suffering yeah why do children die young why is there cancer and epidemics and he's like you find answer that come get back to me because there's (laughs) thousands of books written on that called theophany like why is there pain in the world that's the whole subject sure yeah like problem of evil stuff Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. yeah and so I think he, it's it's the end of Job for me, or the Tree of Life, if you've seen that movie. Mm, I have um, not seen that movie. Yeah, oh, man. Here Christians love that right movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> but at the end of Job, he doesn't get an explanation. Right. He right. just says, were you there when I created the world? Were you there when I created lightning and put the stars in the sky? Were you there for that? Mm-hmm. Then do I owe you an answer? Because mm. we're looking up with the expectation. It's a, I think that's where there is Western entitlement that gets yeah. into religion, where you, you search God and you check off all these boxes and you go, I've done everything you asked. Now you fucking tell me why yeah. I'm here. Give and you me give reason. me some goddamn answers. Yeah. And then they don't get any. And yep. people get super bitter. And if they don't express those that bitterness and those doubts, mm. they repress it. And then you see these Christians that are cheating on their wives, uh-huh. that are embezzling money, yeah. that are committing suicide. Like, Right, because then to them, the house of cards has fallen apart. It's gone. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I, and I don't know if I'm uh, taking this from Richard Rohr. Somebody else talked about this, but talking about Job specifically, uh, just that that like the from the uh, the rabbinical sort of lesson of that was was traditionally like, yes, there is suffering. No, it's not always just, but that doesn't mean you can't bear it with dignity. Mm. That doesn't mean you can't choose to still. Uh, not be bitter in the face of it even though job is the example of like somebody who's like like what the fuck yeah but then all his friends i I can't remember the exact details of the story but i think his friends are basically like hey man just like 
relax. Like, there, uh, there's some verse, though, where it's like, even with all his doubts and indignation, he never sinned. There's mm. some verse, I forget what that is in Job, but it's like, there's a way to mourn and call God out and try mm-hmm. and hold him accountable for what he's promised without sinning. Right. Because even a lot of Psalms is people holding God accountable to what he promised. Mm-hmm. But there's not an entitlement. There's more of like, yeah. God, you said you would show up this way, and I'm going to co-labor with you here. Uh-huh. So show up, and I'll take part in all of this redemption and all this healing that you said you wanted to do. Yeah. So it's like looking at AIDS and saying, we're going to create vaccines. We're going to do scientific research. We're going to put money into this. Show up. Help us figure out how to treat it, uh-huh. you know. So I, I think it's both and always with all that. Yeah, and I, you know, just going back to the, the idea of like, uh, yeah, we just want an answer for everything. I, mm-hmm. there was, I was even listening to this morning to a uh, uh, lecture by uh, Stephen Levine, who is a friend of Ram Dass, one of these like um, kind of spiritual, I mean, I guess you would call them new agey, new mm-hmm. age people, but it was, you know, blend of Hinduism and Buddhism, people who studied in India with gurus and stuff. <laughs> but, but a lot of Buddhism stuff. Yeah. But um, uh, there's a story of I believe it was the Dalai Lama or somebody, some some somebody who's at a mystical level like 55. Basically, <laughs> uh, I'm glad we're keeping the scale alive. Yeah, yeah. Total. Maybe not even on the scale. Just, yeah, yeah. He's just off the charts. Right. Just yeah, non-zero. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, this he was like asking he the the person <laughs> had a, a handful of like dead leaves and then there were a ton of leaves on the ground. And he asked him, like, what's uh, what do you think is more, uh, the leaves in my hand or the leaves on the ground? He's like, well, obviously, it's the leaves on the ground. He's like, well, you're right. But the leaves on the ground, that's, like, all – that's all the possible knowledge out there. But the ones in my hand are, like, the ones you really need to know. And it's like, yes, there's a million things we could learn and we could know, but there's – but we're never going to get around to them. Mm-hmm. There's – but we don't need it, you know? Maybe all we need is to know that God loves us. Right. That we should forgive people. That, that we should this live is, in a certain way that example it's i still i still literally have like my I, my old brain that's just like well bullshit ah. <laughs> like, give me an answer like that's i feel like even the stuff i'm going down the road with mysticism and and the third way and both and yeah yeah non-dual thinking as it's called uh-huh i feel like that just pisses off so much of the world it does your brain doesn't want to do that it, it doesn't wants to, and even as i hear that story <laughs> i'm just like this is like this is some bullshit. Yeah, um, I think I'm losing it a little uh, bit. Oh yeah, no, I, I think I yeah. Oh, we're good. Oh, we're back. Okay. Um, edit that. Yeah, my <laughs> brain still wants to wedge it into those binary pockets for sure. Even yeah. though I'm focusing and meditating on this transition, I'm, I'm like I almost struggle to translate all the stuff I'm learning and going through because I'm like, man, as soon as I say this, it's just gonna hear, it sound like some hippie nonsense where it's like it's this and this, but it's also both not those things yeah <laughs> like this paradoxical thing right that yeah just tires people out because at the end of the day you're like hey man should i quit my job or should i keep it i just need an answer i don't need your like third way i know it, transcend it, it, the job it, <laughs> it's it does, not helpful i know it does piss people yeah. off but i think that's also true i i've found most truth to be paradoxical and mm. it's like a contradictory and that's what's right. so interesting to me about it. it's Things that are clearly black and white, I don't trust because I I can always feel like I feel like I can always see the other side of that coin. Um, but uh, what is uh, uh, just the idea of um, I think our I think it's just a, a, a function of our of our uh, what do you call it physiology mm. our, our the way our brain works and the way uh, we have to we can only see a limited amount of space in front of us we can only concentrate on a limited amount of things like we have to 
you know, we had we evolved from survival mechanisms. Like yeah. we had to make the decisions. lizard brain. Exactly. Like we had to make judgments. We had mm-hmm. because we had to make judgments on is this thing gonna kill me or not? Yeah. Is this person gonna kill me or not? Are they gonna take my food? Are they gonna right. do whatever? Are they, am I gonna be able to survive and procreate? And so we still we still have all that type of wiring, and that's why I think it is a daily practice to do things like meditate, and that the uh, and and to do whether whether it's meditating or prayer or whatever whatever we want to do, whatever your spiritual practice is, it it almost it requires a constant renewal of it. And I think a lot of us want to just be done. Want to like, yeah. all right, cool. I'll put in my five years, get yep. my degree in mysticism, and mm. then I will just accept <laughs> everything, and I'll be yeah. good. Right. Um. But. I think it's that's why I think one of the lasting metaphors of a lot of Eastern religions is like the river and the being of life. It, it is flowing. It's constantly Never changing. Never the same river twice. It, and it's you know it's true though, yeah. and it's like and it is something that's you know the only constant in life is change. That's the only constant in a river too. Yeah. And things like that. Have you have you looked into spiral dynamics at all? No. Oh, but you I should love get, the name you of that. will love spiral yeah. dynamics because spiral dynamics talks about. Um, v memes, which are essentially cultural mindsets, mm. and they're all a different color. Uh-huh. So he talks about how we go, not that one is better than the other, but it's like you all start out beige, which is survival mode, mm-hmm. which is just like I need to eat, I need to sleep, and then it's mm-hmm. like the next one up is like tribalism, you know, and the person. Mm. So it's so it sounds like Maslow's hierarchy of needs a little bit. It's it's basically like that, but it's it's how we you can basically track how a culture is operating. Mm-hmm. And how people are living within that because of the values and because of just the the current status of that society. Yeah. So going from Africa to going to New York City, right? Different spectrum on the spiral dynamic. Well, and that's where um, I mean, if you are a fan of let's say more liberal uh, <laughs> economic policies or liberal, I think a lot of us in the kind of more liberal viewpoint. Want to, you don't want to blame cultures for being even violent per se because a lot of it is socioeconomic based. A lot yeah. of it is like, well, they simply uh, are not able to feed them, so they don't have security right. of uh, of body of food. Well, and that's the thing with spiral dynamics is it's like it's not the person. Yeah, it's the it's that system. It's that system that they're yeah. operating within. So it's not like you put that person in a in like you take them from beige to purple. All of a sudden they're a little more cultured, a little more controlled. Uh-huh. You put them in blue. All of a sudden they have a doctrine telling them how to live. There's an outside force. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it, it, it stops us from oversimplifying people and conditions, yeah. you know, which is just way too common. For sure. The, the, the oversimplification, I mean, I go back and forth because sometimes, sometimes I like simplicity. Though I mean, I like I think we all do. I, I, we <laughs> often do, um, but I guess I guess there's good forms and bad forms of simplicity. Yeah, I think you can have very nuanced simplicity. Yeah, um, I think that's when you're just at peace. Mm. When you're kind of, um, I think Richard Rohr calls it deep time. When you're holding the past, <laughs> the present, and the future all in one space, and you're living in that present moment, it's very simple. Yeah, you're not like dwelling about what's happened. You're not worried about what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but you're aware of it. You're aware that the, you're in this time spectrum, and your existence is only so long. Mm-hmm. But you're releasing yourself from obligation or worry or stress and all that, mm-hmm. and life becomes simple. Yeah, that's why I've been so attracted to mysticism because it literally. It's the only way to embrace the complexity of life without being overwhelmed by it. Yeah. You hippie. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> no, I think that's that's great. And um I know I, we we don't have to talk we don't have to talk about anything really. We can oh, no, I'm open book, man, whatever you want. Uh, this kind of uh hippy dippy talk <laughs> reminds me of uh kind of like the role of 
uh, psychedelics again. Yeah. And uh, the role of uh, using external drugs to achieve a spiritual... Because uh, there still is such a common uh, conception within a lot of religious circles that hmm. any use of drugs is bad, that we're harmful. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, it's seen as like a lifestyle. Yeah. It's seen as like, oh, I can't smoke weed. I'm not that kind of person. Yeah. I'm not the kind of guy that smokes weed and does shrooms and all that stuff. Well, and I'm wearing a Grateful Dead shirt. So I, I love I, that too. I, I'm <laughs> the reason people don't like <laughs> all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like coming to California. It's just been around my whole life. I don't know what it's like in other states, but California has a, a lot of grass. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I think it... I can't make a blanket statement on hallucinogenics because it's... Some people can't have, like my dad can't have a beer. Mm-hmm. It'll wreck his life. Right. He's been sober for seven years now. Mm-hmm. I think I think hallucinogenics will do that to people. It can, I think it can break people. Oh, it, it definitely can. Because it's, yeah. it's yeah. going to expand your mind in a way if you haven't practiced self-awareness. Yeah. Which is why meditation is so important. I think you can get, there's nowhere you can't get naturally that drugs will take you. Right. I think everywhere that drugs take you just expedite the process. They're just cheat codes. Right. So I don't think they're necessarily bad. I think they can get abused because Uh you're just like, you're grooving this path in your brain that's not natural. Yeah. You're cheating the work to get to that place um, of peace or Uh empathy or self-reflection or imagination. Right. You know? Well, one, uh, yeah, one metaphor I've, I've heard of it is like drugs might help you be like a helicopter to the top of the mountain but right. then but then it has to come back down the helicopter right. is going to be returning mm-hmm. uh whereas meditation is maybe the slow or whatever not even necessarily meditation one style of meditation one style of spiritual practice is right. the slow climb up the mountain that will slowly but surely eventually get you there uh, but it's not as satisfying and another way of uh, maybe of thinking about it it's like um maybe drugs and this isn't always this isn't even every drug experience i mean i would never even i would never tell somebody or, or suggest they do it but like right sometimes they can give you a view of the entire maybe map let's say right like you're if you want to like yeah i don't know like <laughs> I, I know there's something that's <laughs> like cool to hike dude there's something that's cool to go to maybe drugs give you a view of the map but if right. you just keep if all you're doing is constantly going back to and looking at the map and you're never actually putting in any work in right yeah you, then you're just stuck looking at a fucking map you're still gonna have to live well yeah I, I don't understand like i think it'll give you crazy moments and i think people have written jokes and, and movies and music on drugs that are a gift to the world oh maybe, no doubt yeah so no it's, doubt. it's hard to say like never do them you can get there naturally when it's like well maybe for them that was part of the process yeah but those things were in them i think already but hallucinogenics are no different than religion in my mind if like if someone's curious spiritually curious what hallucinogenics are going to give them are a new experience a new language mm-hmm. and a, a broader openness to yeah. the world that's what religion was supposed to do right that was the original intent was to give you new language to give you a narrative to yeah. open your mind yeah so people bag on hallucinogenics i'm like it's doing the same thing we were supposed to do and we got caught up in the rules yeah and it's terrible now. Well, and the problem is, yeah, both are tools that have been misused. Right. And I, you know, I think I've watched people get addicted to religion just like they got addicted to drugs. Oh yeah, for sure. And so, not be any more pleasant of a person. Yeah, I know. You know? Drugs at least chill you out for a minute. Yeah. So it, maybe a more uh, somebody who can wake up one time a little bit <laughs> better than somebody <laughs> who does drugs. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. I still, I, I have a lot of, I would say, optimism for. 
Uh, I, I do think in general, maybe society at whole, if not if not religion, at least society as a whole seems to be more accepting of, of hallucinogenics. And the, the ability, I think if it can be done in a very controlled settings like like they've done more studies with like like Johns Hopkins on like mm-hmm. very controlled like having uh like therapists there to like help guide people through experiences like right. and they've cured a lot of PTSD yeah and depression is one of the things they're talking about now and addiction too mm-hmm. it's um it's something that and you know I, I think even with uh with me there was one time when I took them years and years ago it's been years since I've taken them but it sort of helped me zoom out a little bit on my own alcoholism and my own uh, marijuana abuse was being able to, I don't know. It's like being able to zoom out far enough on my own ego and just seeing how, uh, fun, how flexible and how fungible and how malleable my own whims can be and how my own light, like, my own experience of life can be so easily influenced. And right. so having a, a, a mushroom experience actually, I think definitely helped me stop. In fact, on one of them, I ended up, there's a very long story about it, but <laughs> one section of this long story was I was at a, a long cab ride back with this guy who was an ex hippie. Uh, and uh, he was kind of, he had that, he, we were just basically talking about it and he's like, Oh, and he was, he was ex hippie kind of hedonist guy, but now straight edge Christian actually. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, weed and booze won't really do anything for you, man. Like we, I've gone down all those paths. They're just, they're not gonna, you know, it's just ways to keep you kind of trapped and, and selfish. He's like, if I could do one again, it'd probably be mushrooms though. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, if I could do one, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think it, it's, it's different for everybody. It, it, not everybody is, I think some people should never take them for right. sure. There's some people that will never, ever it'll never benefit them to yeah. do so. And I think there's some people that should honestly probably never go to church. Yeah. Like don't just stay away from that. Like you can serve and you can definitely certain churches, certain churches. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it depends on Maybe. how you define church and all that. And I'm sure people would have tons of backlash on what I just said, but I think there's people that just, just too toxic. Like you're, you're going to take this really good thing and bend it and hurt people with it. Just stay away. Yeah. You can still serve the poor. You can still get involved. You can still have small groups, mm-hmm. but there's certain organized religious functions that I think people, are just addicts of, yeah. and they don't know how to go there without being riddled with guilt and shame, yeah, um, and then turning that into abuse. I mean, look, I'm, and by the way, I'm as I reveal myself on every podcast, I am a walking, talking cliche. But my favorite <laughs> place in the world is at a fish concert, right? <laughs> Seriously, and that is literally my annual, like that's my revival, like that's the place where I can the most let go. I dance like a fucking fool. <laughs> I'm just so happy and selfless and so not caring because I know I'm in a very non-judgmental community of fellow right. weirdos. I would, it's my favorite thing to do in the world. And yet, <laughs> even then, I would not recommend it for everybody. Right. I know some people would not get anything out of it. Some people would hate it. Right. And I also think, and I know, and because I see them firsthand every time I go, there are people who are addicted to that. And, right. they, and that's they don't, like maybe they should stop going. Right. That's the thing within Christianity that I think is super important or, or just in life. Uh, idolatry, which is the main uh, like 
that's the main target in Christianity. You read the Bible, it's always trying to destroy idol- idolatry. That's it. That's the whole point of the Bible. Yeah. And idolatry is taking anything, and you can take a good thing and make it an absolute thing, mm-hmm. and it's been it's become an idol, and it will wreck you. Like I would argue, the anything. Bible itself. Yeah, the Bible becomes an idol. You yep. you can it'll be a weapon, and it'll destroy you and everyone around you, or but it will harm them. The um, last sentence in the Bible should be "Burn this book." <laughs> <laughs> like Mission Impossible stuff. <laughs> yeah. This book will self destruct. <laughs> that would be the pretty helpful for some. Oh my people. god, that would be the coolest fucking <laughs> book if it actually did that. If, yeah, if it was like in the wrong hands or something like that. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's huge in, in my life. That's why I would say if you're going to idolize it, don't use it. Mm. And so find another path. And we get into like spiritual gurus, yeah. which is which is like someone going, I found truth this way. Mm. Follow me down my path for mm-hmm. it is the only path. And that's what like Christian like celebrity pastors will do that shit. Right. And it drives me up a wall where they're like, right. this, I discovered my faith through this thing. And if you got to do this thing with me because you're this kind of, you know, it's like, yeah. stop, stop, stop. Like, yeah, it's the, so much broader. It's so, and I just a slight tangent. I, I hate, because you're so right. And they, that, uh, I've hate that how much the word guru is tainted and to, because it is, that's how we think of it as like a fucking, yeah. I mean, even Tony Robbins said, I'm not your guru. Yeah. He, I was thinking more <laughs> like Joseph Campbell, Joseph Campbell attacks gurus mm. a lot. Yeah. Um, but even, even his version of gurus, I think, and I haven't read Campbell's take on gurus, but like all, all I know, I, I am just, uh, right now I'm being defensive towards Neem Crowley Baba, who is, who was the guru. <laughs> as of, most people would be. <laughs> <laughs> it was the guru of Ramdas and a lot of other people. And but guru in the sense he was a guru in that he wasn't teaching them anything explicitly. Right. He was basically his his deal. <laughs> He's the most obscure name dropper. I've ever. Uh, yeah. It's like I love these Ramdas. <laughs> hey man. I, I just I, I know what God I know. God bless your audience, man, if they know this stuff. This I don't know amazing. if they do. Man. I hope everybody's Googling. I don't even it's not obscure to me. Sorry, know, yeah. Whatever. Drop the knowledge. What are you about to do? Anyway, the <laughs> This guy, Nikoli Baba, mm-hmm. also known as Maharaji. Uh, you can <laughs> look. Everybody should stop. Every pause. Stop and listen. Just buy a copy of "Be Here Now" and just read that mm-hmm. book, and uh, you'll you'll thank me later. Anyway, <laughs> he's basically he's this old man, and it was in India, uh, who was just an old man with a blanket. Nothing special. Not always friendly, by the way. Not always a smiling, charming man. Often mm-hmm. smiling and, and and charming people, but he was from everybody who came into contact with him, they felt this very constant, unshakable, unconditional compassion. And that mm-hmm. doesn't mean always kindness, by the way, but this this perfect kind of blank slate mirror that was able to perfectly reflect their own inner bullshit mm-hmm. back to them or able to sort of poke at them and poke at that sort of thing and able to to allow people to have meaningful spiritual work that's what a guru i think we, we that's what the best case scenario of a guru right. is but now you're right okay. it's we think of guru as like yeah guy leading a fucking cult with uh he yeah. also has a blanket but well, it's like his yeah he, right yeah. before he takes it off so he can have <laughs> sex with everybody you know yeah i was i think in my mind the way that campbell has painted it for me is uh life is just the journey through the forest and the guru found one way and think that's the only way you can get through the forest. Yeah. Where he's like, there's probably 800 different paths to make it through this damn thing. Right. Yeah. So go figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I don't think I'm even disagreeing with Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. I hear what you're saying. But we have, and that's something I've even thought about earlier. It's like we're just so much fighting, or just like about uh, words, about labels, about the specific things we call things. Even like the idea of like the Holy Spirit, what you were talking about earlier. Yeah. It's like you call you call listening to your gut one thing. 
a lot of people will be like, oh, cool, yeah, it's a good thing to listen to your gut. Yeah. You say, yeah, I listen to the Holy Spirit. Like, you fucking idiot. Right. You're crazy. Right. How, what? But you're even if it's the literal exact same, same action. Thing. Yeah, it's the language. I feel like so most, hung up on That's it. the thing that, like, I feel like most people I talk to, most reasonable human beings, pretty much agree on, like, 90% of what life is. Like, the, yeah. ethical, the ethical parts of life. Um, you know, be are, good. Yeah, it's a golden rule that shows up in every religion. It's yeah. it's like what we're aiming at that differs pretty widely, mm. like between Buddhism, Islam, uh-huh. Christianity, um, and the Hinduism method. Yeah, the yeah. rituals vary a lot, and and the character of the divine thing we're aiming those ethics towards varies vastly. Mm. Um, right that's on. the interesting thing to me in all of life. Yeah, that's why I think art will expose that more than anything else. Yeah. Um. So we're we're about out of time. Got it. Um, right on that topic too. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, my my last uh, two questions. A, Colton Simmons, would you consider yourself and call yourself a Christian right now? Uh, I would hope that I've maybe earned that. I think that's a title you earn. You don't get to claim. The right. first Christians didn't fucking a. call themselves it. They got mocked with that term. Right. And like, look at these little Christ people, these Christ <laughs> wannabes, with their good deeds and yeah, yeah. Okay cool fucking righteous <laughs> my second question uh that i ask all people who already have a religion on the show in lieu of making up one uh what would you when you whether it's on your personal spiritual religious life or in the church as a whole what would you like uh to either heighten focus change what's what's something that you would like to see out of either your personal life or the church mm. going forward uh i think i'd like to see an elevated uh, a higher level of self-awareness mixed with um, a more childlike understanding of ourselves. So know mm. who you are really well and don't take it very seriously. That's kind of what I want. Right on, man. That's why humor. Humor. Mm-hmm. Tie, what what a way to tie it all the Boom. way I back like around a bow to the on beginning. It's <laughs> a beautiful bow. Well, thanks so much for coming over. Oh, man. yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was a blast. This is great. Awesome. Well, that is the show. Once again, thank you so much to Colton for coming out. Check out the Back Pew Podcast. Check yourselves out. Subscribe to this on Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play if you like it. Only go on Facebook to find this, then immediately leave. Uh, Love you guys. Bye. What's a creative podcast network?